Wow. Um, well, this has been an amazing couple of months. We started in March, and we're almost done. It's crazy. We've been talking about the foundational stones of what the well is and what our heart, our vision is for this church. And so you can see that uh, we've covered a lot of stuff. The encounter with Jesus, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the supremacy of love, the priority of prayer, loving what we're doing here with the prayer, the goodness of the gospel, what Marvin just prayed for us right now, it's, it's alive, it's active among us. The atmosphere of joy and a heart of generosity, we're seeing that happen in our midst. I mean, Kristen mentioned the summer slump, it didn't happen. And Jesus is just doing amazing things through what's going on. Yeah, the kingdom of God, this is what we're praying for, the call to discipleship. Uh, we were praying this morning, and we're really feeling like there's a lot going to be happening here. And, and frankly, as Marvin is famous for saying, tag your it, a lot of people are coming to our fellowship, and, and there's going to be a need to nurture and grow what God's doing here. And so uh, we, we believe, and we were praying this morning, that there is there's anointing, there is gifting out here to step into discipleship. And so we're excited about that. Activated team ministry, we're talking about that, how we want to be a team playing group here. Again, it's just, it's an all play. It's not people who are up front doing everything. It's, it's team, it's active. Oops, wrong way. Family culture, we love that. The family room, this is what we're in right now. The authentic supernatural ministry. We want to see miracles. We believe that seeing miracles happen, it should be normative. It's not a freak of nature. It is, it's the way the kingdom's supposed to operate. A lifestyle of freedom. Absolutely. There is freedom in how we worship. There's freedom in how we, we love each other. And there, there's just, it's a joy. It, there's a joy in being free in, in the kingdom. The key of his presence. We invite his presence every week. The beauty of diversity, which Marvin talked about last week. We are a multicultural body, and we want to begin to see that expand even more. And so on the heels of that, this year, this year, this week, we're talking about the gift of the nations, that we're a globally focused church. And I, you guys, I'm excited about this. This morning, it's just going to be kind of a, again, a 50,000-foot flyover of what God's heart is for the nations, and it is mind-blowing as I've had the opportunity the past three weeks to just meditate on this and grow in this, um, I, I want us to begin to explore what this verse is all about. This is in Psalm 2. Paul uh, let us, I mean, Peter let us know in Acts 4 that Psalm 2 was actually a move of the Holy Spirit on David who wrote this psalm. And this is speaking about Jesus. Jesus is saying here, only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. The whole earth is your possession. That's Jesus talking right there, and he's saying, this, this is what my father said to me, and he is asking for the nations. And so let's begin to unpack this, you guys, by beginning with a little review from Marvin. And these are just some things that I kind of gleaned from his talk last week, but I think it sets the table for us really wonderfully here. There's an eternal reality that heaven is diverse, and we see that in Revelation, where it paints this amazing picture of what it's going to look like before the throne, you guys. It is a beautiful tapestry of all what it says here, the na every nation, tribe, people, and language. It's going to be diverse up there, and it's going to be awesome. And again, 
I love this, this. He said, do you want harmony or do you want uniformity? And we talked about harmony. And, and Marvin and I, this is a French horn major. I'm a trombone major. We are highly qualified to be doing what the heck we're doing this morning. So, um, But having played in an orchestra, having played in a band, having sung in a group, I, you know, there's harmony. I mean, it's beautiful to sing in unison, but there's something about harmony that just really elevates things. And as we all play our role in the body of Christ, it creates something that's amazing. I love it. Color aware and color celebratory, not color blind. I think that's awesome. That we don't, we don't view one another as just kind of vanilla and we're all the same. We're, we're not just this monogamous, uh, you know, color thing, but we are a varied tapestry. And again, that's just the multicolored tunic of Joseph. I thought that was a cool picture too. And then finally, this one stuck out to me. Heaven and the universe are so colorful that creation itself reflects the vast diversity, depth, and infinite nature of who God is. Isn't that true? I mean, you look around at the complexity of what we see in our world around us and just the beauty of his creation, the spectacular things that we see, and it's just a glimpse of who he is. And so that only makes sense that he would manifest it in who we are too in all the different colors and, and beauty of who we are. So I thought that was a beautiful setup for where we're going to go today. I want to talk about four things with you guys concerning the nations. One is the promise to the nations. This is an amazing study in the Scripture as we study the promise of what God said to the nations, and we're going to begin to unpack a little of that. I want to talk about the genealogy of the nations. We have a genealogy that's fascinating and we need to find out what that is. I also want to talk about the passion for the nations. This is our dad's heart, and we're going to see just how passionate he is, and then I want to talk about the mission that he has given to us. So these are the things we're going to begin to explore in the limited time that I have. So here's the promise. Starts off right out of the gate in the book of Genesis with, with Abraham, right? And you guys know this. This is where Abraham has a time, an encounter with the Lord, and God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And here it is, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So this is the Father's heart right out of the gate that he says, I have intentions for the nations. I'm going to bless them. So, he continues this momentum throughout the book of Genesis where he builds on it generationally. So he reinforces it with Abraham again. This is, this is the famous scene where, where, remember, he promised Abraham a son and he waits 25 years to deliver it. And when he finally does, he says, oh, by the way, I want you to take your son up to the top of the mountain and sacrifice him. Abraham doesn't question. He just goes up the mountain and he passes the test and God says, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you obeyed my voice. His faithfulness was the foundation for what God wanted to do in the nations. And he, so he re reiterated the promise. And then it went down to the next generation with Isaac. Isaac had an encounter with God one day where the Lord spoke the same blessing. He said, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So Isaac takes that baton and runs with it. And guess what? He passes it to his son, Jacob. 
Jacob has a dream encounter. We actually talked about that this morning in prayer too. We had this picture of the well being this stairway. And this is the vision that, that Jacob had in this particular moment where he saw this stairway going up and down into heaven. And in that moment, God reiterated the promise to him. In you, in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's like tag, you're it, okay? Same deal. I'm passing this on to you. Well, Jacob takes the mantle. He runs with it. He has 12 kids. And it's at the point of blessing, Joseph, who was his kind of distant son who he thought he had lost, and then God brought it back, had two sons in Egypt, Ephraim and Manasseh. And he pronounced this over them. He said, may he bless, may God bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. So he's saying, okay, the blessing I've received generationally, I'm passing on to these guys. And so the blessing was going to continue on through Ephraim, through the line of Ephraim and Manasseh. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Now, what's interesting is it continues throughout Scripture. And guys, literally, we could take a whole summer worth of series just on this promise alone and trace it through the Bible. I'm going to give you a fast pass here. Solomon, at the point of dedicating the temple, says this. This is part of his prayer. He said, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your own people Israel. The temple was going to be kind of this place where the nations were going to come and experience God, and they were going to be like encounter the living God in a way that was powerful, that was going to mark their lives. And Solomon understood this in the, in the lineage that he was part of, saying, here's the blessing, and this is how it's going to manifest. You get into the next realm here. Okay. The psalmist, whoops, stop it. Quiet. Down boy, settle down. The psalmist, I mean, and again, this is replete throughout the Psalms. This is just one example where David, in fact, Psalm 67 is all about the nations. It says, so that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. God wants it to be known. He wants this promise to be lived out and fulfilled. So that's the the prophets pick up the baton. Oh, my gosh. This is another example. Isaiah, this is a prophecy about Jesus. It says, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. The prophets totally got this, man. It was, it was all over the place. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, uh, Zechariah, Zephaniah. We, we see it over and over and over again where these guys pick up on this theme of the promise, and they say, yes, it is for all the world, for all the nations. It goes into Jesus. This is the encounter with the woman at the well, right? This is what our, our, our church is built on. He encounters this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and, and he basically says, you know, you Samaritans don't understand what's going on here, but what's going to happen is that salvation is going to come through the Jews. Through this nation, God is going to establish the promise. And so she kind of picked up on that. She went back, became the first evangelist, right? And she went back to her city. Is this the Messiah? Come see what I think. I think I've found the Messiah. And so she brings them back, and she says, now we believe because we've heard him ourselves. Now we know he is indeed the Savior of the world. It's like the promise is happening. It's unfolding right before our eyes. It continues on where we see the fulfillment of this promise once Jesus has died and risen and gone to be with the Lord, we see Paul saying, 
Yes, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, right? Through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we could receive the promise of the Spirit. Again, here's the promise carried through. And, and Paul's saying, guess what? Ding, 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 it's happening right now. Jesus has done this. He's fulfilled it. John, in Revelation, gives us the ultimate picture of the fulfillment when we begin to see again what it's going to look like in heaven. There before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes. They were holding palm branches in their hands. That's us, people. This is our future. This is the promise that began back with Abraham, fulfilled throughout the Scripture all the way to the end. And God says, my heart is for the nations. My heart wants the nations to be linked inseparably with me. So guys, again, amazing, amazing thoughts about God's heart. So that's the promise. Now I want to kind of dive into this genealogy. This, this is where this gets really interesting, about the genealogy of the nations. Here's something new. <clears throat> We're all related. We're all relatives, okay? You can pick your family, but you, well, what's that? You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. Well, guess what? We're all family. We're all relatives. We're all officially stuck with each other. How did that start? Well, it began in the very beginning. Adam and Eve. God blessed them and said, "Hey, guys, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth." So that was the first parents' assignment: is to fill the earth. So we're all descendants of Adam, right? Well, and then what happens? Though the flood encounters us, right? And God kind of levels everything out. And so he starts it again and says, oh, these are the clans that descended from Noah's sons, arranged by nation, according to their lines of descent. All the nations of the earth descended from these clans after the flood. So we have three really great, 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 great grandparents, okay, that we all came from. All the nations of the earth came from these three dudes, Ham, Shem, Japheth. And so... It's an amazing thing. And this is where the evolutionists really freak out. This, this doesn't fit in at all with what they're doing. And this is where I want to just say, guys, this is not some fairy tale. This is not the flannel graph arc, you know, where we put the animals on and, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's like we, we get this mentality. This is just some made-up story. Isn't that cool how we explain it? No, this is the authoritative word of God saying this is what happened. This is your lineage. This is true. This is the scripture that has stood the test of time. It has stood the test of persecution. It has stood the test of, of criticism over the years. This book was written over a 1,500-year span of time, 40 different authors, three different continents. All sorts of things happened that allowed this book, this record, this unique book to withstand the test of time and bring this truth to us that, you know what? We have a lineage. We have a heritage and we are all inseparably linked to each other. I think this is interesting. The Bible only mentions families, tribes, peoples, languages, and nations, and not races. I think we need to explore this just a little bit in terms of understanding our genealogy here, okay? There's something we need to understand about race versus ethnicity. Here's the first thing we need to understand. Humans created the concept of race, okay? It's a human construct, not a godly one. In many cases, it carries this hierarchical connotation. In other words, the superior race. 
the, the lesser race. And again, we, we've lived this in some of our lifetimes when we saw what happened in Germany where they elevated and said, no, we're the superior race. They're going to wipe out the Jews, right? They wanted to be a pure. That was Hitler's dream. And again, this is a concept that is not biblical. We, and this is where it gets really cool. At Augsburg University in Minneapolis, okay, recently, scientific researchers mapped the human genome, announced they had put together a draft of the entire sequence of the human genome and had unanimously declared there is only one race, the human race. Hallelujah. Let's hear it for medical science, okay? Awesome. They figured it out. We all came from one place. And it kind of messes again with the evolutionary thought. And it's, it's good. It needs to be messed with. Because, see, we got to ground ourselves on truth here. What does God say is true? All right? Another professor from McMaster University in Ontario, Canada, said ethnicity is a much better way to view this. It is a broad concept that encompasses both genetics and culture. We all come from one genetic seed. And over the years, God has, has spread us out. We've developed ethnicities. We've developed cultures. And we are all a, a, a hybrid of a lot of these things. But that doesn't mean we are different races that are, that are you know, separated from each other or that are, are, are superior to one another. No way. Not, not true at all. And so I love that science, I love that academia is waking up to this fact and saying, you know what, we've got a common genealogy. Here's what happens in the New Testament as the New Testament takes a picture of what this genealogy looks like. It says, this is Jesus. He says, stop judging by appearances and judge correctly. Now, he was dealing with the Pharisees who were very legalistic, and this was a context where, you know, he was healing on the Sabbath. How dare him do that, right? And they were all bent out of shape about that and saying, oh, you can't do that, you know. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, man, do not judge by, is it lawful for me? You know, you circumcise your kid on the Sabbath. Is it lawful for me to heal on the Sabbath? And they're kind of like nailed by that. And he's saying, you're judging by this legal perspective. And again, we can judge one another by what we see in each other. And his half-brother, James, runs with that baton. Apparently, he stuck around his brother enough to figure this one out, right? But, but James basically said, you know, you tend to do the same thing in your church. You judge each other with evil motives. You look at one another and you say, oh, wow, let's get to know that one. That looks good. Well, that one, eh, not worry. Eh, I don't want, you know, no. That is not what we want to create. That's not family, right? That's not what we want to do here. So Jesus is warning us, don't go there. Paul, in Acts, this is the famous Mars Hill exposition where he's talking to a, a non-believing secular culture, but he's making this very interesting point. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. Paul is affirming scriptural truth, that we all came from one man, and out of that came all the nations. So again, declaring to us that we have a heritage that is common. He again says this, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. Christ is all and in all. He is the common denominator that brings this all together. He is the unifying factor in our family. And yeah, we may look different, we may think different, 
that Jesus, I mean, Paul says, you know, all these little delineations that we create, you know, the barbarian, the Scythian, I mean, we come up with all these little categories that we put each other in. He says, eh, nope. Christ is all and in all. Amen. So good. So that's our genealogy. How about that? We're all related. So now you can get mad at your relatives. Now we have, to, we have to work together, right? And this is, this is part of the family, man. We're all just, we're all family here. Okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about the passion for the nations. Oh, my gosh. You guys, I love this. As I began unpacking this for myself, God kind of just blew me away with a little interesting insight I want to share with you. But, but here's, here's a picture. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God has a all-nations, all-people vision. And he's just looking around because his heart is so drawn to us. He wants us to know him. And he's saying, where are the ones who are fully committed to me? Those are the ones I want to just pour my heart out to. That's, that's dad's heart. David has a similar sentiment in Psalm 139. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Guys, there are what? How many people are on, the, on this planet right now? Anybody know? Almost 8 billion. Okay. A lot. Okay. And I'm sitting here looking at this thinking, how in the world does God look at us individually? How does he search the entire planet and, and find those whose hearts are after him because that's his heart? He has a heart for the nations and he wants to draw them to himself. You guys, I was thinking about this. I don't know. This is my little rabbit trail this morning, but it was, I thought it was a profound insight. Um, today, our planet is not really a mystery to us in the sense of We've got Google up in, the, up in the atmosphere shooting down, and we've got Google Earth, right? You, you, we've basically mapped every square inch of this planet, and we can go on our computer, and you can click anywhere and basically see anywhere on the planet. It's kind of like a God perspective, is it not? It's like God, God has his own little GPS sort of thing here. And so uh, <laughs> how many of you are dependent on GPS, by the way? How many of you become addicted? You know, I, I can't go anywhere now without plugging that thing in. We were, Julie and I were driving into the city yesterday to go see her brother. We've driven this route a billion times. What do I do? I plug in the GPS. Well, I'm glad I did because there was all sorts of stupid construction going on, right? My normally half-hour trip took me an hour, and thanks to my GPS, I was able to navigate a way that I'd never gone before in my entire life. Uh, but it was good. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting technology if you think about it. How does, how does GPS work? Well, uh, this thing called triangulation. Now, this is, this is so high tech. This is so awesome, right? <laughs> Basically, we've got a, a billion satellites floating around the, out in the atmosphere, right? And, and so you turn on your little cell phone, and it, it basically has to make a connection with at least three satellites to de determine a location, right? It's amazing mathematical Magic that happens with your little phone and your little GPS. And so it triangulates off of three satellites, and it can determine your location. I found out in studying this that actually four are, if you want super accurate, you need four satellites. So I thought, well, that's interesting. I looked at that, and I thought, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I thought, the Trinity triangulates us. And he registers our heart. And he, his eyes look to and fro across the earth. And his GPS is looking for us. And so I, I, I love this, man. This is, this is so cool. I want to get a Trinity eye view of the world. Because it occurred to me, I wonder if elements, of the, if the persons of the Trinity have a different perspective of the world. That they pull together and they see the complete picture. Here's the Father's view. For God so loved the world <laughs> that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, this is the Father's perspective of the nations. This is the love of Dad saying, I so love you, man. I'm going to pay the ultimate price for you. So that's one part of the Trinity. The Son, this is going back to Psalm 2.8, where Jesus took this thing and he said, you're, this is the Father talking to the Son. He says, you are my Son. Today I become your Father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. Wow. And see what this is. The, the Father has the love. The Son has the authority. He's the one who's got everything handed to him. And Jesus did ask the Father for this. And he said, I will go down. I will pay that price that I can receive this inheritance. How about the Spirit? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You know what I saw this? I saw this as the boots on the ground. The Holy Spirit is the boots on the ground in terms of carrying out the mission. And so you combine those three things together, and you begin to see the picture, do you not? of how God views us, how he views the nations through a very complete picture. And then I started thinking about this. Now, this is where it really kind of got kind of weird, but kind of fun. This verse, you guys know this one, right? This is talking about heaven. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders, right? So here's the picture. Here's the, here's the throne in heaven, and all around it are these 24 elders, right? <laughs> the Navstar GPS constellation. In other words, for your GPS to work, there is a constellation of satellites that are in geosynchronous orbits around the planet so that a number of these in orbit, you can find your position anywhere on the planet. Guess how many are in the constellation? They have to have 24 low Earth orbit satellites circling the planet in order to accurately determine the location of anywhere on this planet. That's pretty cool. I mean, you can take analogies to the nth degree, right? I mean, every analogy breaks down at some point. But I found this interesting. In, in Revelation, in chapter 5, uh, the elders and the, and the four living beings had a moment where they were lamenting the fact that there was no one found worthy to open the, do, open the, 
open the script, the scripture, right? And the scroll, that was it. And until Jesus was found. And then they responded with a song. They sang a new song, and with your blood you purchased from every tribe and language and people and nation. I think that's cool. I think that's cool. And you know what? For the most accurate location, you need four satellites, right? I was thinking, what? Four living beings and the 24 elders. I don't know. I, I had fun with that. I think that's pretty awesome. And it's a great picture of our Father and his creativity and his passion for us. All right, passion for the nations. Let's, let's wrap this up thing, talk about the mission. The great commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations. Baptizing the name of the triangulated Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Right? Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And speaking of the end of the age, Jesus talked about the mission in light of the end of the age. Matthew 24, he talks about what the end is going to look like. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Again, this is full circle. This is the promise again, right? This is the Abrahamic covenant that's now revealed in the new covenant where God says, I want the nations. I'm going to have the nations at my throne in heaven. And so it's not, you're not going to see the end until you, you carry it out. I'm giving you a mission should you decide to accept it. You want to hasten the day of the Lord coming back? Jump on the mission. And see, this, this is something I think that as the church, we need to rise up. And I, I love what the Lord's stirring right now. And I'm here to tell you guys, as a guy who's in full-time ministry, who's involved in a, in a missions organization, things are happening around this planet right now that have never been seen before. So th things are happening here. But I thought you'd be encouraged to see our little fellowship where we're at with our current missionaries. We've got a, we've got a, a beachfront in Lebanon right now. In fact, we're heading back over there in October, I believe, right? We've got a relationship over there with, with an amazing couple called the Zorobs, and we love these guys, and, and it's amazing. You know, there's something about the Middle East. Do you notice a little tendency for us to focus on the Middle East here? We, we've got Syria. We've got Jordan over there that we're working with. Uganda down in Africa, and we just had the Godfreys here a little over, well, gosh, within the past year, right? They were here, and we got to see them. In India, the Shintalas are there and, and working a beachhead in, in there. And then in California, the Halls. Yes. Awesome. They are, they are taking a beachhead in, in California, which frankly is a foreign country in itself. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there are those who believe that it is really strange out there. Um, we've got the Westhoffs with the 24-7 prayer ministry that we're, we're praying. That I think God's bringing an alignment here with the 24-7 movement in our church. Uh, Akuo, their, their ministry to, oh my gosh, these guys are all over the planet. Our Hope Center here in our own Jerusalem. 
reaching out to these, these girls that have been abused in the sex trafficking industry. And so, I, you know, this is, this is our embryonic start to what we want to do. I was just looking around these flags, you guys. It's like this church used to be Church for the Nations. I want to say it still is for the nations. We're for the nations here, you guys. For the nations. Let's uh, bring it home. This is a map with the well at the middle, put together by the mappingcenter.org. This is an organization that basically has taken on the task of making maps available based on available statistics and trends in our nation to map out what's going on spiritually. Every one of these red dots represents an unreached household in our radius. I think we got the world, the nations, in our backyard. In fact, you don't believe that? Within a 25-mile radius of the well, we have 13 definable ethnicities. Western European, African-American, Hispanic, Jewish, Eastern European, Mediterranean, Scandinavian, Far Eastern, Southeast Asia, Middle Eastern, Polynesian, Native American, Central and Southeast, Southwest Asia, and then other. Do you think the Lord has brought the nations to us? Here's another pretty cool one. Within our radius, there are 25, I mean, there are at least 12 different religions, although I thought Lutheran was interesting as a separate religion. <laughs> Not quite sure what Martin Luther would agree with that one, but anyway. Needless to say, we've got a demographic where we've got all sorts of different religions right within a 25-mile radius of our well. And I think what God is doing is he's saying, well, do you value the nations the way I value the nations? Are you going to step out into your Jerusalem, into your Judea and Samaria, and bring the nations to the well? I'm going to give you two opportunities. Guys, we've done this Saturate Indie thing. We started it last year, and, it, and we've kind of taken a little bit of a rest. But we got a partner church. The Indie Vineyard has jumped on board with us this coming Saturday. They're doing their first ever distribution. And what we're doing is we're just going door to door and we're handing out the Jesus film, which is available in almost 1,800 languages right now, people. So it's totally available. We're, we're handing out a gospel track. We're handing out an invitation to become part of either the well or the Indie Vineyard. So that's August 17th. Starts at 9.15. I'd encourage you guys, hey, investigate your nations that are around you. We're going to pick up the baton the following Saturday on the 24th, and we're going to do it again here and get back out into our Carmel realm. Carmel desperately needs Jesus, and this is tough soil around here because people don't think they need Jesus. But we've got all sorts of nations surrounding us here, and we want to begin to impart and go into that. Marvin, I'm going to close with this, buddy. You sent me this email uh, from... Jonathan Stidham. Do you know this guy? You don't? Okay. This is pretty cool. He's from the Ignite Church. He's obviously a seer, but in July, that's this month, had this vision. He said, I looked and began to see the overturning of 31 national governments from corrupt liberal officials to ones God had deemed righteous and conservative. Stirring, okay. And then this, a Joshua anointing has been released in the earth. 
you'll see an outbreak of the gospel of the kingdom going forth, resulting in a movement of freedom as the Spirit of God touches the nations. I'm here to tell you, man, we are this close to fulfilling the Great Commission. We really are. With the advent of technology, with the advent of the Jesus film, which is in a 1,800 languages right now almost, we've just about reached the point of saturating our planet. You know what's interesting? Our country, the United States of America, is now considered a mission frontier. Other nations are sending missionaries to us because we've become fat Christians. We've become a nation that doesn't believe our heritage anymore. And so God is actually doing a reversal where we've been a sending nation, now we are the sent to nation. That's why, guys, we have a mission field in our backyard. And so uh, I want to shift into some ministry time here. I think God's bringing this home to us. He's saying, the well, you've got a lot of great foundational stones. And I'm building on this, but I'm doing something new here. We've, we've heard that this morning, have we not? And I just want to say, we want to have a time of prayer together. And if God is laying on your heart, maybe he's calling you into the mission field. Maybe he's calling you to step out in your neighborhood and become light and salt in your neighborhood because you saw all the unreached people groups, all the unreached homes within our radius. Maybe he's calling you to just a deeper willingness to be salt and light wherever you go. You know, we're called to be evangelists. We're called to take the good news out. And what Marvin did this morning, we're, we're called to do these things. So I'm just asking this, is God's spirit touching your heart? saying, I want you to step up. I want you to understand my heart, my compassion for the nations. I want you to be my emissary. I want you to be my ambassador to go out. So if God's laying that on your heart, I'm just going to invite you to say yes. To say, you know, Lord, I've been kind of sitting back. And your heart I want to be my heart. I want the mind of Christ that I would see the world the way that you do. So if we have prayer team folks, I'd love to have you guys come up and just be available up front to pray with those of us who feel that inclination, who feel that pull. I'm also going to ask the Adams to come up here. We want to pray them specifically. We've been praying for you guys and fasting for you. We felt like this is a time that you guys really need to be held up and encouraged, but you're going on vacation, and we want to pray for your vacation, so we're going to send you out in love, so if you feel like you'd like to bless the Adams, that'd be great, and then I don't know, uh, is Isabella here? Oh, and Spence, is her here too? It's just Isabella. Okay, Isabella, come on up here too. We're about to lose Isabella to the great collegiate frontier, so come up here, girl. And Adams, if you could come up here too. And I would just ask you, Isabella, we love you, girl, and you're sent out. You are a sent out one. And where are you going? Cedarville. Okay. Awesome. 
You're our emissary, our ambassador to Cedarville. And while you guys are on vacation, man, you're still on task, man. You're still salt and light, so we want to bless you. But thank you, prayer team members, for being up here. But if you'd like to pray for Isabella or the Adams specifically, that would be awesome. Love to have some people come pray for them. But again, if God's putting it on your heart and saying, I'm tapping you, I want you to go out to the nations, then I just invite you to come and let's pray for you. So, Father, I thank you for this time, the reminder, Jesus, that we are thankful for the gift of the nations as the well family. And that, God, you're increasing our own diversity. You're increasing our own ethnic blend here. And yet we look at a map that says there's so many around us who still need to hear. We look at a world that still needs to hear, Jesus. And we want to be part of that momentum. We want to be the church, the ones who are sent out to go and take the gospel. So Jesus, we just bow before you, we submit to you, and we thank you for this time of reminder, this time of calling. Would you speak to our hearts in this moment, Jesus? I'm just going to say, you're welcome to stick around, fellowship with one another. Be blessed, you guys. I love y'all.